0: Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. We have been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount And this episode will be the second last installment of that particular section. We'll be reading from two small parts in this episode, and we'll start by reading from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus presents us with an amazing picture of what life looks like in the kingdom of God. According to the theologian R.T. Kendall, it may well be that the actual sermon stopped with the last lesson we covered and the golden rule in the last verse. And this last section in chapter 7 is actually Jesus' way of calling the audience to a response. As we've explored each section, we've certainly been presented with a number of choices, haven't we? Do we observe the law according to how the Pharisees had let it become? Or do we lean into the way Jesus interprets things? Do we choose good character according to the Beatitudes and pursue a righteous lifestyle where our heart and our hands are in unity? Can we learn to love our way towards full maturity and faith, where even our enemies benefit? Can we treat others the way we want to be treated ourselves and leave all forms of judgment to God alone? Or do we stick with the widened boundaries of the Pharisees, the ones that permit divorce on thin grounds, the ones that give technicalities such as what promises are binding and which ones can be broken without damaging conscience, the ones that allow for judgment and revenge and even permit hatred towards enemies? Do we pursue a crusty outward shell of devotion that wows the crowd and does little for ourselves? Or do we hide in our closets? Maximize our minutes with the Lord in private devotion and trust Him to reward us in His most appropriate way? Do we build treasures on earth and consume ourselves with those things? Or do we seek the kingdom of God and make it number one in our life? Or, as we consider the verse we've just read, we could sum it all up this way. What path do you want to follow now that an alternative way has been presented to you? There are two roads we can go down and Jesus is clear that the one we choose really does matter. The theme of choosing a path is found all through the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 15 to 19, Moses repeats a challenge that God makes to ancient Israel. And it can be summarized a little bit like this. I set before you today a choice. Life and prosperity or death and destruction. Please choose life. In Psalm chapter 1, David sets a similar challenge that can be summed up a little like this. The ones who delight in the law of the Lord prosper and produce. The ones who choose the wicked way live a wasted life. And now Jesus lays down a similar challenge. Choose a path. In fact, please choose the right path. There is a wide gate to a wide path that looks pretty enticing. It is so wide and easy that you can carry all your baggage and never need to deal with it or let it go. It is morally so wide that you can think how you like and live how you like without anybody challenging it. And sadly, its width will be its downfall, for at the end of this wide path, destruction awaits. But Jesus also tells us there is a narrow one, and so few find it because they are too enthralled with the wide one. If you take this narrow path, you're going to need to let things go in order to fit through. It's going to need a singleness of mind because there's no room to turn around and go back. But choosing this less attractive option will be so worth it because eternal life waits at the end. The book of Ezekiel chapter 47 features a great image, a great vision that is really worth reading in your own time. We are presented there with a prophetic picture of a future time that many scholars believe is the church age. It features a vision where an angel shows the prophet Ezekiel a stream, and this stream is flowing out of the temple of the Lord. It has fresh water, and it is flowing out really wide and really powerfully, so much so that it reaches even the unfruitful Dead Sea and brings freshness enough for life to burst forth. As we take in the details of the vision, we see that the stream starts out ankle-deep, but eventually becomes deep enough to swim in as it streams from the figurative throne room of God. That's a great image of the sort of life that awaits a believer who chooses the narrow way. Jesus tells us the road to God is actually quite narrow, but the resulting life that comes from God is ever-widening. When Jesus speaks of life at the end of the narrow way, it's like that prophetic stream that gets wider and deeper. And this kingdom way of life will become an open space where we are permitted and empowered to enjoy the openness that God provides in His blessing. Friend, this sort of life far outshines anything wide and easy that the world can provide. Let's read on from here. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15-20 to 20. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. A prophet in Israel's time was simply someone used by God to share his word to the world around them. When they were righteous and God-fearing, these people were usually incredibly accurate in their ministry. However, the nation of Israel had certainly produced a string of false prophets over the years too, and the Old Testament mentions a number of examples. Some were quite overt and intentional, such as the prophets of Baal in the days of Elijah. But there were also times where even anointed godly prophets got things a little mixed up as they discerned what the Lord was saying to the nation. In the church age, This would happen too, and Jesus was clearly telling us to be careful of what we are told because of this risk. He knew that the way of the kingdom would be opposed by falsehood, and those who would follow Jesus would need to be dependent on his leading and learn to be highly discerning in the power of the Spirit. In this verse, we read that these false prophets are going to look right. They would come looking like a sheep. They would look like a fellow member of the flock, a fellow hearer of the good shepherd's voice. But they would really be a wolf, looking for people to hurt rather than help, looking to exploit weaknesses, looking to devour for their own gain. I think it might also be good to mention here that false teaching and false prophecy could, to some degree, be two sides of the same coin when we read the New Testament warnings against these things. Teachers of truth clearly aim to lean on scripture and the words of Jesus, but false teachers tend to appeal to so-called prophetic insights that fly in the face of those sources. This certainly seems to be the way things played out in the early church. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3, to the famous apostle wrote this to the church in Asia Minor. There were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. See the two ideas coming together there? They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who brought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. A couple of decades later, in the same region. The Apostle John was seeing this come to pass clearly with the rise of a movement called Gnosticism. Of this he writes in 1 John chapter 2, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, we read that false prophets and teachers are like gangrene in the church. They breed division and dysfunction. But sound doctrine promotes unity and stability. Therefore, the church was called by the apostles to be on guard against such people and the spirit that they bring. As we come back to Jesus' sermon, we see that he gives us one key thing to be mindful of as we keep our guard up. He says to look past the appearances. Look past the smooth talk and eloquence, look past the niceness, and look for authenticity. This would come by inspecting what Jesus figuratively calls the fruit of their lives and teaching. Friend, here's the deal. Every member of the church will bear fruit, and this will reveal what sort of member we are. It takes time for fruit to emerge from any plant. And we'll learn later in Jesus' teaching that bearing no fruit is equally unhealthy. It's a spiritual reality that you simply can't produce nothing. Your life will bear fruit. And once it emerges, that fruit will then help us learn what we really are. Galatians chapter 5 shows us that we all bear fruit based on the spirit that resides in us. The world produces fruit and the Holy Spirit produces fruit. And Jesus instructs us here not to follow anyone claiming to be a prophet or a teacher until you've seen the fruit of their lives. The fruit is the proof of who they are. Even today, falsehood is definitely alive and well in the church. And we can be sure that everyone will show their colors at some point. Just as a tree can't hide its identity for long, everyone's lives will bear fruit. So always look for that fruit in someone before modeling your faith on their teaching or listening to their so-called prophetic input. If somebody widens the path to God in word or deed, prophetic or otherwise, or if they teach or deliberately live out anything that undermines the teaching of Jesus, if they question the very person or deity of Christ in any way, claiming that God has shown them otherwise, then don't make those sorts of people a reference point for your own faith. This discussion in truth and falsehood will continue in later episodes because the subject is covered quite a bit through the New Testament. However, it's fitting that Jesus has the first say about it in his famous sermon. So as we come to the end of this episode, let's ask ourselves some quick, simple questions that only you know the answer to. First, what path are you on? And second, who is speaking into your faith life? What does the fruit of their life tell you about the teaching they bring? If either of those things seem not quite right to you, or if you are not sure how to answer, then now's the time to do something about that. My advice is to speak to a minister that you trust in your neighborhood, or you can even contact me through the Facebook page so I can help you connect with somebody. With all that in mind, let's finish this episode with a word of prayer. Jesus, I recognize that you are calling me to a point of choice in how I live at this time. I choose the narrow road, knowing that I'll need to let things go along the way and be single-minded in order to do so. I trust your words that promise life in the narrow journey. I also know that I need all the help I can get in order to know the truth of the gospel of the kingdom. I ask you to give me the spiritual gift of discernment and the wisdom to see and understand the fruit of others, so that I will allow the right people to instruct me in all matters of faith. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.